Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. If you need a copy of God's Word, please put a hand up, and we've got volunteers that are going to get a Bible to you. If you don't own a Bible, please keep this. It's our gift to you. And in the Bible that we're handing out, turn to page 894. Everybody else, John chapter 12. John chapter 12, before the victory series, we were in John the last two and a half years. Many of you know, and if you're new, we're letting you know we're in the middle of this really cool letter by a close friend of Jesus Christ who was one of his first 12 disciples. We're going to start at verse 20 here in just a moment. But let me remind us, since we did 10 weeks of victory, it's been, it's been a long two and a half year journey, let us take two seconds to, to reorient ourselves to this book, to this letter. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are called gospels. They're not called histories. Anybody remember why? We can do talk back church today. Anybody remember why they're not called histories? They're called gospels. So gospel is, is a word that means good news. A history would be trying to, in chronological order, account for all of the details and allow the reader 2,000 years later, to analyze what they think about the facts. That would be somebody who thinks they are unbiased. But that is not the Bible writers. John never has ever pretended to be unbiased. John has two pom-poms, and he's going, Team Jesus, yay, he's the savior of the world, put your faith in him. That's what a gospel is. He is presenting Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah promised, and as the savior of the world, the forgiver of sins. And he's telling you in advance. He's showing you his cards. This is what I believe. And he says, I'm writing this that you might what? Believe and have life in his name. The entire thesis of this book, that you might believe and have life in his name. Some of you have made comments to me that when we're in the John series, it's like, Greg, I think it feels like every week you're preaching to people who aren't Christians yet. That's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are. You have all 62 other books to yourself, Christian. (laughs) There are four books that are for people who it's their first week. And that's okay. That is all right. And you know what? The word of God is like a scalpel, a two-edged sword, sharper than anything you could imagine. Who hears a Christian, you'll testify that you already love Jesus and the gospel of John still taught you something. Right? Okay? Being reminded of the beauty and power of our Savior, his love toward people, his mission in the world, there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. We will not mine the depths of the four Gospels successfully before he takes us home. There's no no bottom to that pit. Right? You and I are finite. God's word is infinite. There's no bottom to that one. We're starting a five-week series today called Facing the Cross. We're going to see over the next two, two and a half chapters that Jesus seems to be the only one who knows where this is headed. Uh, 11 weeks ago, uh, Pastor Dennis preached on the triumphal entry, so I want you to see where we're at in Passion Week. It is a Sunday, unless I'm getting my wires crossed, it's a Sunday, Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and people are celebrating and all that. He's betrayed on a Thursday night after the, the Passover is celebrated with his disciples. He is falsely accused through the night. He is hung on a cross on Friday morning. 
gives up his life by Friday afternoon, and on Sunday morning, what happens? It's like cheating if you've been to Sunday school. (laughs) Angels roll away the stone. In our culture, the best we have is to say that, um, oh, I don't know, I hate Hollywood, but but who's a famous person, who's a famous actor? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, okay. If you want to say anything about the award ceremonies where the Academy pulls muscles, patting themselves on the back, okay. Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, they do not get out of the limo and get the red carpet in its place, and then once it's great, they walk down. That, you know that's not going to happen, whatever else happens, right? Jesus doesn't have to roll his own stone away. This is royalty, this is power, this is all honor, this is all glory. Jesus knows in these two and a half chapters where he's headed. The disciples are distraught for those couple of days in between the crucifixion and the resurrection. They're going, what are we gonna do? They killed our savior. We'd hoped he was Messiah, what's going on? So how can Jesus face this with such boldness except that he sees past the cross, he knows what he's going to accomplish. Today, the first of these five weeks, our sermon is entitled The Cross First and The Cross Last. As we read this text, you might get a hint as to why it's entitled that. And I should join you. John 12, verse 20. We're gonna read through 36. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Does that sound like getting a book deal and a yacht for following Jesus? Okay, just checking. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Does that sound like John the Baptist to anybody besides me? Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. To to remind you guys, a number of times in the Gospel of John, Jesus has said, it is not my hour, it is not my hour, it is not my hour. What did he just say? Oh, yeah. There's a huge transition in the book. Now is the time. I'm about to die, okay? Verse 28, Father, bring glory to your name. Is that where our heart should be in the midst of suffering? Wow. That sounds like Job, chapter one. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, because when you pray, the sky's open, right? Anybody here? That's a normal, that's a Tuesday for you. No? I I don't know. Maybe there's a reason John feels like Jesus is a big deal. A voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. 
Not the first time in the Gospel of John where God the Father speaks from heaven. When the crowd heard the voice, now at this point we're really tempted. Oh, okay, so if a, if a voice speaks from heaven, for sure everybody's gonna know Jesus is the Messiah, they're all gonna put their faith in him, and then we're hunky-dory. Boy, that's simple. How, how, many, how many family members, if you, those of you who are Christians, how many family members have you prayed for and you've been tempted as you've thought and wrestled and prayed, Lord, if, if, you, just, if you just did a miracle, they would believe God, if you just opened the heavens, they would believe. And yet, the scriptures are filled with, well, here it comes. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder. So that was helpful. While others declared an angel had spoken to him. Now that's really popular in our culture. Something spiritual happened. An angel spoke to Jesus. That wasn't for me, that was for you. That was your own private religious experience. Right? That's America in the 21st century right there. Verse 30, then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, we understood from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say that the son of man will die? Just who is this son of man anyway? Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. Do you hear that? Want to talk about identity? Don't decide your identity and then shove it on God. That's what we like to do now. I decide who I am and I tell God. He says, no, 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 no. You want blessing? Let me tell you who you are. Choose the light while you can and you'll become a child of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. Holy Spirit, unless you teach us the scriptures today, we're in trouble and we have no hope. Father, we confess that we bring a lot to the text. We shove things onto your word instead of letting you speak. We talk over you, we interrupt, we misinterpret, we assume. And we ask for your forgiveness and we ask for your Holy Spirit's leadership and guidance right now. We unashamedly, Lord, ask for blessing not because the Christian faith is about us, but because when you bless your children and you bless the world, we respond with worship. So make worshipers out of us, God. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And ARCF said, amen. amen. Note takers, grab your pens. Use every day of this life to invest in the next. This is gonna have to be lightning fast because this is promotion Sunday. So if there are questions, you can shoot me an angry email later. Use every day of this life to invest in the next. Look at verse 25. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for this life in this world will keep it for eternity. What does that mean? I care nothing for my life. Does that mean I don't brush my teeth? I don't, I don't work hard you know, to please my boss so that I get to have a job or even get a promotion and like pay the bills and take care of a family. Like just, I care nothing about this life. I'm not gonna, no, I'm gonna go live in a van down by the river. 
be a motivational speaker? Four of you are with me right now. That's great. <laughs> R.I.P. Chris. Always miss you. So, no, that Jesus is obviously not telling us that we don't make any investment in this life. He's telling us the investments that we make. When do we when do we get to reap the harvest? Like, if I make a financial investment now, when do I reap the harvest? You can't take money with you, so it's definitely not in heaven, right? If I make a financial investment, I get to hopefully reap reward from that. I get to harvest now. But what if I do something for the sake of the kingdom, for Jesus' fame in our world, right? Don't love your life now. You guys, we're in the burbs. Everything outside of this building is trying to convince you that you are the point. And I'm not gonna force your hand, I'm gonna testify. If you sit under that, I'll tell you, Greg Kaiser, I've sat under that long enough and it's crushing. If I'm the point, then I have to be the solution to the problems of this world. If I'm actually the apex of all humanity, Jesus says there's so much more going on in your inheritance, in the king, fullness of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. People who don't make a big deal about their life now because they're really, really all about Jesus and Jesus blessing the world, so that's how they live their lives. That, that's, that's the good life. Some of you may have seen the movie Schindler's List. This very moving, it's either last or second to last scene Schindler is so torn up seeing all of the opportunity for how many Jews he could have helped escape Nazi Germany. He helped so many, but he's seeing, I could have helped more. I could have helped more. I could have helped more. He's seeing all of the ways and all the places that he could have done more. Brothers and sisters, there are no tears in heaven. There is no sorrow in heaven, but let me ask you an important hypothetical if you're a Christian and you are going to heaven, not because you did good things, but Jesus' blood was stamped onto you and you walked into heaven with his righteousness, what if, what if before you walked in, you got a chance to look back to the world that you left and see who followed you into heaven? Would there be joy or sorrow? Would there be both? What investments did I make in the short time that the Lord ordained that I was here on earth? What investments did I make for the kingdom? John Maxwell, the leadership guru, he critiques the Western definition of the word success. He says it really bothers him that it is at the end of college where you get to dress up and you're paraded across a stage and everybody goes, wow, awesome, what, you know, you're great, you did it, you're a success. He says, no, no. You were a success four years ago when you were a freshman in your dorm room studying on a Friday night when everybody else went out to party. When you had the wisdom to make steady, wise choices, you were already a success. He says, graduation ceremony is when your success is recognized. That's when it comes out into the light. 
Christians, the book of Revelation says that there are gifts, rewards, crowns bestowed on the children of God, honor given, that because we are finally sinless, we can't stand to just receive the honor for ourselves. We cast it down at Jesus' feet and worship him for eternity. What are the decisions that we make to decide what that crown looks like? And when do we get to make those decisions? It's right now. It's right now. I treat my life, please, this is, this is a really small, totally small thing. This is simply a, a, a launching pad into how can I bless and impact the kingdom of God. I want people to know their creator. Oh, I want people to know their creator. And so when you look at my budget and you're like, tithing, what's that? And when you look at, he's, he's, they support three different missionaries on top of giving 10% to the church. They're crazy. Because you've learned to view your, li- your life as just a launch pad towards something better, something that'll last, something that will sustain, something that will give greater joy. Next blank. Jesus, lifted up, still draws people to himself. Anybody believe that one? It would be tragic, and I think we have done it. It would be tragic if we look at the words of Jesus in the middle of this passage and we go, oh, Jesus was speaking prophetically about how he was going to die. He's going to be crucified in a few days. I get it. Cool. And then we're done. There's no further possible meaning to this passage. (laughs) There's no second layer. There's no third layer. There's no eternal spiritual truth. No, he was just saying how he was going to die. Except John, our writer, loves double entendre, and these translations don't always choose the same word based off the same Greek word. But let me, again, we're we're short on time, but, but let me tell you what John said, and then I want you to go study it for yourself this week. Jesus said... The time has come for the Son of Man, referring to himself, to be exalted, okay, lifted up, honored, where, where people can see me, okay? And then he says, Father, exalt yourself. Then the Father speaks from heaven and says, I have already exalted myself, and I'll do it again. And then Jesus says, the Son of Man be lifted up. He'll draw him into himself. Five? I can't count. Was that five? In a row, Exalted, 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 exalted. All, what's, what's the passage about, folks? For the people who haven't seen, for them to believe is something great. It was rhetorical. So, this is a passage about the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit's always kind of hovering in the background, isn't he? The Father and the Son are being lifted up, and all men see the Father how? They see it through Jesus' cross. We see the heart of God when Jesus lays down his life for us. Now, let me ask a question that's so dumb it sounds silly. Have any of you seen Jesus Christ hanging on his cross? You know what I mean? We're talking about something that happened 2,000 years ago. Have you seen it? Have I seen it? Well, apparently... The New Testament writers are crazy because the New Testament writers, in talking to the churches, they go, man, I remember what your faith was like as first. You guys followed 
as if you had seen him yourself. That's the way faith is supposed to be. The New Testament writers say that we have. Because the family of God is built by faith. Somebody that was 50 miles from where Jesus physically died and somebody was 1,700 years away from where, from where Jesus died and somebody was two continents away, we see him and we see him lifted up and we see him by faith. Just as we see the resurrection, there are things that are spiritually discerned that only the Holy Spirit can lead us into seeing. But let me ask a question. Do we still believe in the 21st century that drawing people to himself you, you lift Jesus up to do that. Do we believe that? I worked my tail off as a church planter in one particular endeavor to reach out to a bunch of people. The only phone call I got was a guy who encouraged me, hey, make sure, make sure to teach everybody that the Bible allows for any possible definition of marriage as I want it to be defined because if you don't, your church won't grow. I was like, thanks for that edifying phone call. Wow, that was just that was good to my heart. I reached out and Satan called back. Like, thanks, you know. <laughs> Just forfeit the Bible. What could possibly go wrong? You're trying to build a cool, cute organization that offends no one? I've told you guys before, if I start a new religion, it's going to be centered around chocolate. <laughs> Do we still believe that if Jesus Christ be lifted up, he draw men to himself? Do we believe he's still doing that? Is the church tempted to lift something up besides Christ and him crucified? Sometimes. Want a slicker website, a cool new church name? Huh? Better kids programming. Better looking elders. That's what we need. Or do we believe that across all cultures, continents, and time, the church grows one way. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Not cool preaching, 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2. I determined that I was going to come to you not with awesome preaching and great rhetorical skills, but I was going to know one thing amongst you, Christ and him crucified. Brothers and sisters, we overcomplicate this because we want it to be about us. We want to put our fingerprints on it, and we want to pull a muscle, patting ourselves on the back that we had this really neat ministry idea, and a bunch of people came to Jesus. How many of you guys have seen the coming soon sign when you go down sunrise that there's a Starbucks that is about to grace our presence? Oh, it's up? Okay, the coming soon sign was taunting me for months. So here's the deal about a Starbucks sign that says coming soon. There are those of you who could not have cared less and didn't even notice the sign. Maybe because you don't drink coffee or maybe because you were looking down at your phone, you didn't even see it. There are others of you that mildly cared. Okay. All right, another Starbucks. There are some of you that are cynics like me going, this is good because I had to drive 700 feet to Starbucks and now I only have to drive 500 feet. <laughs> and then there are some that saw the coming soon sign and thought, I wonder if I should just drive into the parking lot now and wait. 
three months? We can do that. Honey, bring the tent. A sign sorts a crowd really fast, is what I'm trying to get across. A sign sorts a crowd into segments really, really fast. And you see, for 2,000 years, Christ and him crucified has been shown and has been proclaimed to people. And the responses are somewhere between, that's stupid, that's nonsense, all the way to, that's the most beautiful story I've ever heard. Why would God die for rebels? We have four core values. Connect, grow, serve, and go. The fourth is go tell people about Jesus. ARCF, do we believe that sharing the gospel is only for super Christians? Is that some fancy schmancy program you have to go through to share your joy at being connected to God by the blood of Jesus? Because you see, anybody who has seen Christ and him crucified for who he really is, that he is also resurrected, anybody can out of their joy, just like the woman at the well in John 4, run and go tell everybody. Do you have joy? I bet you, you will. You will tell somebody if you, find, if you get in touch with your joy. Dirty little secret. I don't know how many of you guys know this. Maybe it was your experience. Pastors think that they've got to get somebody into a class or a program because, oh, they became a Christian and we baptized them. And not, that's not to say classes and programs are bad. They might be very good. But then we think, oh, yeah, yeah, and we should teach them evangelism. And when you talk to the person, they've been a Christian for 30 days and they've told everyone they know. Pastors show up a dollar short and a minute late because joy naturally proclaims. That's what joy does. So this is my um, warning to the rest of us. If we have not shared the good news of who Jesus is in a while, maybe we've got to get back in touch with our first love. Right? Stir affections again. Lord, remind me of what it was like when I really was grateful for my forgiveness, when I was really grateful to be connected to you. Our third out of five vision statements is we see God leading us to become a launching pad for church planting. But let me ask you this, do we believe that sharing the gospel is how more disciples are made? Church planting is a field where you're really tempted to go, I don't know, the son of man be lifted up, he draw him into himself? Because I have a really cool sermon series idea. I've done the demographics and I know the kind of people that are living in the area and we're really integrated and connected and this and this and this and this. And it's going to be so cool. ARCF, there's something I don't know if I've ever said before to you guys, but I'd really love it if we kind of memorized it and baked it into the cake around here. The Church of Jesus Christ has a timeless message and timely methods. A timeless message and timely methods. How you get the gospel of Jesus Christ to somebody is going to change with the culture. I've asked you guys before, those of you who are Christians, if there was a tribe somewhere in Africa that 
proclaimed truth based on painting your face blue and hopping on one foot while you speak, and if you do that, everyone receives what you're saying is true, wouldn't you go and paint your face blue and hop on one foot and tell them the gospel? And you guys said yes. If you know how someone's going to receive truth, do it. You know what you don't change? That truth. I don't care if I get it to you through an airplane, a train, a boat, a carrier pigeon. The truth must not ever change. The methods are going to have to. There's no way to show it for sure, but it would be really interesting right now if you guys sent me away to the faraway land of Elk Grove and said, Greg, we want you to plant a church where all the songs and all of the sermons are from the 1720s including full Elizabethan English, thee, thou, and thine. And you're dressed like it's the 1720s as well. And anyone who speaks of American independence is a traitor, right? How many people do we think Greg would reach? He would be a freak show on the news, but would, would anybody get saved? And yet I'm talking about a time period that the prayer meetings launched the biggest revival in North America. There was a time where those methods were spot on with a message that never changed. There was a time when it was blasphemy to have an organ inside a church because that was pagan church bar music. And now we think of an organ as a very like, wow, it's been in church music forever. Because our message cannot change. Our methods have to. I will do anything and I will become anything to reach some. Paul said, I will do what? When I'm with the Jews, I will eat the same food as the Jews. I'll become like them. When I'm with the Gentiles, anything that's not sin, I'll do it. I want people to know Jesus. Anything that's not sin, I'll do it. It's fair game. I even made a slide for it. Wow, Greg's so responsible, he didn't know he was. Last blank. Put your trust in the light instead of enjoying the darkness. Nobody likes being offensive. Nobody likes feeling like you're that awkward Christian. But nobody wants their friends to not know their creator either. Look at verse 34. The crowd responded, we understood from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the son of man will die? Just who is the son of man anyway? So there's confusion about who he is, even though he has shown over and over and even made I am statements. Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. This is very different than the cultural narrative right now. You have a light inside you and you need to find it. Jesus says, no, there's one light. Here I am. My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they're going. Is that a little bit closed-minded? A little closed-minded for our culture, but really practical. If there's a room with no windows and you turn off the light, guess what? You're going to stub your toe on something. You're going to say a word. You're going to apologize to Jesus for the word that you said. This is going to happen. 
We know it in the physical world that with darkness we cannot see where we're going. But when it comes to the spiritual world, all of a sudden it's, oh, what's right for Dennis is right for Dennis. He's got his own light. I have my own light. The Purifoys have their own unique light. And there is no logical foundation, as fun as that may sound. I don't have to say anything that offends you. You don't have to say anything that offends me. Are we trying to not offend each other, or are we trying to pursue right connection with our Creator? Because, I mean, if we're in the desert and I find an oasis, it might offend you to come and call you thirsty. Hey, you're thirsty. Come to this water I found. How dare you call me thirsty? I have my own water. Here, somewhere. The Church of Jesus Christ, if you're, if you're exploring faith right now, I need you to know I know this is offensive. We love you enough to tell you we have found water, and it's not us. His name is Jesus. Okay? This is our message. This is who we are. And we are not trying to offend you. We are. We do know that the gospel offends the part of you that is rebellious against God because the gospel is trying to crush and destroy that. So if you feel like it's an existential threat when somebody calls you a sinner... Don't worry about Greg calling you a sinner. You worry about Jesus. If Jesus calls you a sinner and he doesn't lie, and he's the same one who loves you enough to go to a cross to die to wash away that sin, maybe just, I don't know, get lost in joy at a merciful God. Maybe now's a good time to do that. He's inviting you to do that. Walk in the light while there is time. And he defined the light. He says, it's me. It's not doing what Pastor Greg thinks is best. It's not your favorite Bible teacher that you buy all their books. You follow Jesus while there's time. That's his call to you. That's this church's call to you. Follow Jesus. Just to admit that you like the darkness. Join the team. We all like the darkness. For a Christian, that's called the old self. I like doing what I want to do. The problem is the wages of my sin is death. What I, what I rightly deserve from all that rebellion is spiritual death and divorce from God. I, I tried that. It wasn't fun. It was very fun in the short term, but it didn't give me joy. It didn't sustain. It didn't last. And it wasn't lined up with reality. Put your trust in the light. This is saying, Jesus, I believe your cross was sufficient to pay for sin. And me going to hell to pay for sin? That doesn't sound fun. I'd rather be in right, joyful relationship with my Father in heaven. That's the call of this text to you. We're going to pray. We don't normally do this, but we need to get more prayer into our services. So we're going to take a few minutes. And I want to invite the elders and their wives, staff and their spouses. Um, I want to open up the front and whatever mic we're using to the leadership to lead us during this time. If you guys need guidance, I want you to keep John 12 open in front of you. We are going to spend a few moments praying through this text. We're going to spend a few moments maybe praying through your sermon notes. We're going to ask ourselves individually, God, what do you have for us? What is it you want me to do? And as a church family, God, what is it that you have for us? What would you have us to do? I'm going to start us off and then I'm going to take a seat. We need to spend some time pursuing our creator and enjoying him in prayer.
Lord Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness personally in the countless ways, Lord, that I have relied on ministry methods and I've not truly put faith in your gospel to be as powerful as it really is. So Jesus, I repent. Jesus, I repent. You don't deserve to be treated that way. You don't deserve for us to think we're smarter than you, that we know how to run the church better than you. And I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, God, that you lift up your clothing and are undignified and run toward a son who will come back to you. So great is your joy at repentance of your kids. I thank you for your love. And God, I ask for your leadership of this church family. Lord God, we just ask that you would um, help our eyes to be open, help our eyes to be open to the light, God. Would you um, just reveal to us, Lord, um, it's so easy to be heavy laden with sin, to be overcome by um, the darkness around us, God. I pray that you would give us this opportunity to, um, to repent, God, to turn towards you, to see your beauty and your goodness, Lord. Um, to trust you. God, help our eyes to look up at you and, and, and see the cross, Lord, and see the pain that you went through. Um, God, and it's like the same pain you're going through now when you see your children running away from you, God. Um, I pray that you would help us. God, you would help us to turn. You would help us to to return to you, God, to see you and, and to see your beauty and your love for us, God. Um, Lord, I thank you that at the beginning of this passage, there were Gentiles who wanted to see you, Lord, and that is our testimony, Lord, that there may be some of us here who are Jewish by heritage, but but God, um, many of us were were wandering and lost and and. and and following after other gods, and and Lord, you performed miracles. You performed miracles in generations before us that gave us an opportunity now to seek your face, to see your beauty, Lord, um, to know you, 
to really know you. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, um, to not just study the Bible and know a lot about it, God, and not to know a lot about you like you're an animal at a zoo for us to study. But God, you are our Father who loves us, and I pray that you would um, help us to have our hearts open to you, Lord. Um, just like any other relationship that takes time and building trust and all of this, God, I pray that you would help us to pursue you with passion, with love, with commitment, Lord. Would you help us, Lord? Because we are flawed and we're, we're going to, some of us sitting right now, uh, and, and when we walk out of this room, we're just going to, we're just going to forget. We're, we're going to be forgetful. We're going to um, forget about even the testimony that you that you have given us, Lord. We're, we we forget from moment to moment. And so, God, I ask that you would remind us, Lord, help us to remember um, the, the the sin that you saved us from, Lord. This the the wandering that that you saved us from, Lord. That we were lost. We were chasing after money or success or or greed or or relationships and and God you showed us um, all the ways that we had chased after idols and false gods and Lord you showed us yourself the true God help us Lord glorify yourself through us Lord help us to trust you I feel like the Lord wants to speak to those of us who are a little bit older. And I want to encourage you that to allow the Lord to rejuvenate you, allow the spirit of the living God to take away that sense of I've already done what I'm supposed to do. I'm waiting for the end. I'm waiting for the completion. I just want to encourage you to repent. I want to encourage you to hear a word from the Lord that says he is not done with you until he's done with you. He's called you out of sin and death to be a word and a, a representation and a function of the moving of the spirit today. That he is calling you back into that first love, the fresh love, that word that, that is clear. God has not called you done but he's called you out. He says, step forward, keep your eyes open. And, and for all of us that the, the Lord, that, that we know that the church is very comfortable with Jesus being our savior, that Yahweh, the God of all creation is our savior, that he presented a savior. But the word for us today in revival is that we choose to hear and obey the word of the Lord. We choose to hear and obey the sovereignty of a God that gives directions in every step of our lives. So, Father, 
we come before you as bent and broken, as humble people needing a Savior today. And we submit, we complete our vow to you that you are our Lord. We submit to you in the vow of our salvation that you are the sovereign. We choose to hear and obey. Heavenly Father, if there's anything in us that, that is blocking hearing, that is, that is stopping us from understanding your complete, perfect will from us, for us, we pray, Father, that you would open our hearts and minds today. We submit to you, and we thank you for your clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I ask you to take these small moments of time, these small steps of obedience, and please form us and shape us and mold us into a people defined by prayer. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus and God's people said, amen. Two quick announcements, one by Conrad, one by Sherry. Rock, paper, scissors to see who's going to go first. Okay, Sherry, would you close us in prayer after your last? My announcement is really exciting because uh, it's about the fireworks booth. <laughs> Who loves the fireworks booth? It's so awesome. Raise your hand if you have ever volunteered in, in the fireworks booth. Isn't it great? Isn't it an awesome time? First of all, thank you all for having served before. And I'm going to ask you, will you serve again, please? <laughs> we, I. Uh, we, uh, you know, it, it's funny because it's a fundraiser. And so, it, it, like, am I just up here to talk about money? No. No. Our, our, we, we work together, me and Melissa work together. We, we um, organize the fireworks booth. And if you know me at all, you know that Melissa more organizes the fireworks booth than I do. Um, but, uh, and, and we share the, the funds that, that we raise we, between the uh, worship arts team and the uh, and the youth group budget and uh, oh yeah yeah sweet slide there it is um, so you can sign up online uh, it's it's actually really easy because Melissa made it really easy but uh, we get to share that uh, share that money um, and I, I did did anyone during the pandemic during the last year did anyone watch church uh, or participate in church online yeah yeah so uh, that was really largely made possible because of the money that we raised from the fireworks booth that the worship arts team was able to buy equipment and to, to make that happen. Um, and, and there are things that, that you just don't really see as far as the worship team is, con is concerned that, uh, that we have a lot of really old, outdated equipment that, that, that makes it tough. Um, and and it, it just takes money to get the new stuff. Um, so that's a big part of, of the worship art side. And then as far as the youth group is concerned, like you, you heard the, the call of, of our church, of our saviors to, to follow Jesus. And, you know, Melissa is wanting to do that with, with the worship arts team. And we're wanting to do that with, with the youth group is to, to help kids get to camp. Not that camp is the 
end-all, be-all. It's not the only thing that, that makes it possible for people to know Jesus, but it is something that's, that's very special. And so a lot of the money that we raise is to help, get, help uh, students get to camp, um, you know, and to help get awesome gifts for graduates and stuff like that. Um, so, so we work hard. We have a ton of fun, um, but, but there's a purpose. There's a goal. It's not just about raising money so that we can have stockpiles of money. It's like, no, it's to raise money so that we can spend it so that people young and old can know Jesus, can encounter him. Um, so I want to encourage you, if you have time between June 28th and July 4th, and you'd like to hang out in a white wooden box with, with me and Melissa, uh, please join us. It's, it's a lot of fun, and we would love your help. Oh, sign-ups at the back and online um, at myarcf.com slash fireworks. Here's Sherry. Hello again. Thank you. You've embarrassed me enough today. Thank you. Uh, Next Sunday, we need your help. Uh, Many of you know that Royal Stage is using uh, our facility for their uh, production on Saturday. So we are not able to set up for Bible Day Camp really on the property until Sunday morning. And I realize that it's Father's Day. So what we're asking is if people could stick around for 30 to 45 minutes, uh, we will have a, a big sign-up in the back. It's going to have everything that needs to be done. You come and check in with me. I'll tell you what we need you to do. We'll have all of the supplies. But we want to transform this room especially into a railroad station. So, uh, And then we've got other parts of the facility that we'll be decorating as well. So if you are able, we would really appreciate it. And if you're not, that's okay. Please pray for us next week. We're so excited to have so many kids on campus. And my prayer is that they all come and experience Jesus. So thank you very much. I already said it, 111 kids. So let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father God, you are so amazing. And we thank you for your love. We thank you for your patience with us. And we ask that you would just continue to work in our hearts. Help us to just long to know you better, Lord. I ask that you would be with everyone that's on our campus today. Bless them during this week, Lord. Help them to know that they are loved by you more than anything else. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.